Well, it's been about a month with no baseball, no Major League Baseball, no prep baseball, no college baseball, nobody playing baseball anywhere except for some of the leagues out, out in Asia, out in the Pacific have started. But we're going to talk about it here on the first ever edition of the Baseball in the Valley podcast by the Daily News Record. I'm Greg Medea. I cover JMU football, but also do some college baseball with the Dukes and Eastern Mennonite and Bridgewater College, as well as some focus in the Valley League and the RCBL. And also, sports editor David Driver, who, of course, before taking this job in Harrisonburg with the DNR, was covering the Washington Nationals. So he's more than familiar with baseball, and he has a long-standing history uh, of, of baseball knowledge in the Valley and in the area. So we're going to try to do this, and hopefully baseball comes back sooner rather than later, and we're able to talk about some games and some things that are going on in the sport. But for now, we're going to kind of talk about what's happening behind the scenes, what are some things players and coaches are talking about, uh, especially with... What's going to happen following this coronavirus and, and once this country recovers from it? But before we get into all that, I'll bring in David, let him introduce himself a little bit and give his background on uh, what he's been up to before taking the sports editor job at the DNR and his baseball background. David, how you doing? What, hey, what's going on? Great to uh, hear from you. Um, you're definitely a pro at this, so it's uh, great to have a good good moderator, and I'm glad we could keep together in this way. So yeah, so um, yeah, my my history is is making a lot of outs uh, as a as a failed hitter for Turner Ashby, and then a year <laughs> Eastern Mennonite a long time ago. But um, the the neat thing about that was just some of the the really good players that I got to play. I say I don't play. I didn't play against them. I was on the same field and. Um, so in the county league, just some really good players, as you know, have come through here at, at various levels, whether it's the county league, the Valley League, uh, JMU, Eastern Mennonite, and Bridgewater. Just, it's obviously a great um, baseball community. It's something maybe I didn't realize before I moved away, just kind of how special it is in terms of the, you know, Harrisonburg is not a huge city like Washington and Baltimore, but just a lot of really good players have come through. So, um, so yeah, I did get to play at Turner Ashby, and, and like you said, um, uh, before coming to the news record or returning to the news record in November, um, had a chance to cover the Nationals for about seven years for some various publications, um, kind of as a freelance writer, and the last two at the Washington Times. So uh, I, I, I was fortunate that, uh, to cover a really good team, and of course last year they won the World Series. So that's kind of what, what I've been up to the last few years. Yeah, for, for, for sure. And I'm sure national fans, you know, would have loved to be seeing the Nationals try to try to defend their crown. Uh, they'd be a month into their season. I know as a Met fan, I'd be hoping the Mets are making some headway there and, and causing yeah. the Nationals some problems. What From you, you know a lot of people in the Nationals organization, but before we dive into kind of everything that we're going to get to locally, you know a lot of people in the Nationals organization, what's their feeling with all this, knowing that, you know, they, they still have to raise a banner, they have to give out some World Series rings, all the things that, that come along with winning a World Series and the celebratory aspect of it is is put on hold. Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, we can't obviously forget uh, Orioles fans. I mean, uh, growing up, that was the Orioles were really the, the favorite team along with the Braves in the Valley. But um, of course, the Nationals have been around now for about 15 years and they do have some, some local connections uh, uh, to JMU. Former JMU players are in the front office and player development with them uh, and Doug Harris and Jeff Garber, um, one of their scouts, uh, 
Jeff Zona is down in Richmond. Of course, his son plays at JMU. So there are a couple local connections. And, and obviously, making the drive from the Harrisonburg area to Nats Park is obviously now a lot easier than going to Baltimore. But, but yeah, they still have not got their World Series rings. Um, I think they obviously won a hole off until one of those first home games, whatever that is, at Nats Park. Um, so, yeah, they haven't been able to raise that flag yet. It is a really a unique situation. Um, Davey Martinez is actually going to talk to the, the, the media here later today in a conference call and be interested to see what he has to say about it. I think he's on his farm down in Tennessee. So, um, yeah, um, it, it's, it's a unique situation for the Nats and their fans. Today's May 1st. The Major League Baseball season was set to start the, the last week of March. And so we would have been a month into this thing. And, and that that's really, well, it's unfortunate. All of us miss baseball as a fan, as, as covering the sport, for sure. And I, I guess what really the question is and, and has been since Major League Baseball shut down is, what's next? When is it going to come back? What's the circumstances going to look like? I think from reading all the reports over the last month since since Major League Baseball shut everything down is that the game is going to look different. Whether there's divisions or they playing in Arizona, playing in Florida, it's going to look a little different no, no matter how you see it. And I think you could see some changes to the game too that people are going to have to be kind of open about whether it's a universal designated hitter or seven-inning doubleheaders to, to make up for some of the games lost over the last month. What have you kind of taken away from all the different reports that have, that have come out about what baseball could do when it, when it returns? Yeah, it, I mean, we were talking about this before. It, it seems like Major League Baseball is determined to do something. Um, you know, you heard the report about every all the teams going to Arizona or having half the teams in Arizona and half the teams in Florida. Now you're talking more of a you know World Baseball Congress type idea of pods and you know putting uh, several teams in different cities. So I, I guess to their credit, um, I don't think they're just necessarily throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks, but thinking these things through. Um, maybe more so than the NHL and the NBA. You know, mm-hmm. we haven't we haven't heard a lot from those two leagues. Maybe they don't want the reports to get out, but we haven't heard too many ideas of how they're thinking of, of finishing the regular season or simply going straight to the playoffs. So I, I don't know if, if that's because baseball for the most part is an outdoor sport. Um, but it just seems like major league baseball is determined to put some sort of product on the field here at some point this summer. Yeah. You, you talked to Chris Marinak, a former Virginia university of Virginia pitcher who now works in, in Rob Manfred's office. What did, what did he have to say? The story ran earlier this week in the daily news record. What did Marinak have to say that, that maybe gave you some hope that the baseball will return? Yeah. And, and I probably should have pressed him on a few things. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously he's not the commissioner, but, uh, you know, he does have a broad range of, of responsibilities. Um, just in talking to him, he just really felt like there's there was going to be some baseball this 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 season. And then, you know, a couple hours later, some some reports started trickling out from other sources. But, um, you know, he's mostly these days on the technology and social media side. There was it would have been really interesting to talk to him, say, four or five years ago when he was in charge of scheduling for Major League Baseball. I mean, can you, can oh you imagine? Gosh. Can you imagine being in charge of scheduling for Major League Baseball? I mean, if there is a outdoor festival in San Francisco the first week of May and you can't be home that weekend, I mean, I can only imagine how difficult that is in taking, you know, feeding information from all those teams and trying to put together a schedule. Um, but he, that's not really his um, 
uh, forte right now. He's more on the social media and technology side, but he, he was at Game 7 in Houston. Um, he's been to the World Series the past few years, so a lot of people have actually thrown his name out as a potential GM for your Mets a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, some people feel like he might be the next commissioner in, in, in waiting, but um, just in talking to him, he, he just sounded very confident there was going to be baseball in some form at some time this year. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I can't imagine how difficult it's going to be to figure out what the schedule will look like depending on whatever happens. Obviously, the, the big report this past week was, was Bob Nightingale of USA Today, his report about Major League Baseball going possibly uh, to three divisions. You've seen some other reports trickle out. Obviously, Jeff Passan had the report about the Arizona plan. You've seen something else about maybe splitting the, the spring training leagues up into the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League. But right. the, the plan this week with the different divisions and players playing in their home parks, but the games kind of being all within a geographical region, having the Eastern Division of basically the NL East and the AL East, uh, I guess minus minus the Braves and add the Pirates in uh, because of Pittsburgh's proximity to the other teams in the league, and then the Central, including all the AL and NL Central teams, plus the Braves for whatever reason, and then the Western teams, everybody who you can imagine out West, the AL and the NL West in, in one Western Division. What do you think of that? Obviously, there's not going to be any fans in the park, at least to start when this happens. But do you think this is something players would prefer, knowing you know you having been around players and getting to know players, that they prefer to maybe be in their home parks and and play a geographical schedule, whether rather than you know go to Arizona and be quarantined there, uh, playing everybody. I, I, I definitely agree uh, that that would be their their preference. And Bob Nightingale is really well connected. I'll say that he's he's rarely wrong um, on these reports. Um, you know, a lot of players have, have come out and said that the Arizona plan, you know, just was not something they were interested in. Um, you know, Mike Trout, his his wife is expecting their first child this summer, and he said, "Hey, I mean." I do not want to miss the birth of my first child. So um, there's a lot of big-time players that have mixed the, the Arizona idea. I, I like the idea of the pod-type system um, where you're geographically located. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, in, the, in a couple of years that I covered the majors, this whole thing about interleague scheduling, when you have a two-game series, you know, say the Angels – or not the Angels, that's not a good example, but say that say the Giants come to Baltimore – for a two-game series just to fit in that interleague series. that That's taken a lot of criticism from players. And just um, fans are probably not going to have much pity party for, for major leaguers flying around on charters all the time. But <laughs> to, fit, to fit in these schedules is really it's – it's been a problem. It's been an issue already. And so the way this could possibly be set up could – I'm not saying that this is how it will be in the future, but I think it's a good alternative at this point. Yeah, and I think people got to be kind of open and honest. One Major League Baseball player I talked to is the former Eastern Mennonite standout, Eric Kratz, who was in spring training with the Yankees uh, in February when all this got put on hiatus, all this got uh, canceled, and he's he's at home in Pennsylvania. He told me, you know, he's got a gym at home. Uh, he's, he's got all the things he needs to stay in shape, so he's been doing that and staying in shape, uh, but kind of just waiting and hearing to find find out everything about how this is going to play out once baseball does resume. Uh, and, and I asked him, you know, do you have a preference on any of these plans? And this, this is what Eric Kratz 
the former Eastern Mennonite catcher, now with the New York Yankees, had to say. I mean, a preference would be on the East Coast. So, you know, Florida, the Yankees being in Florida, that would be that would be huge. Uh, I mean, being out in Arizona, the biggest, the biggest thing for me in all of it, wherever it is, the one proposal I heard, they were talking about having no families show up for the players, and I would be, I'd be the first ones to to kibosh that. I would say, nah. I would say we we don't, yeah. But obviously, I'm not speaking for everybody, but I think there's a lot of guys that would be like, wait a minute, because I know a lot of a lot of my friends, their wives are pregnant, and they're like, uh, we're not spending four months apart and missing the birth of our child. So it was fascinating to me, David, because his sentiment was kind of some of the things you just mentioned about. Ryan Zimmerman and Mike Trout saying, you know, he wants to play, prefers to be on the East Coast, though, and definitely doesn't want to be away from his family. And to me, that's something I think a lot of people are going to have to be understanding about from a fan perspective with these players is that, you know, they do have wives, they do have kids. You know, some of these wives are expecting kids. Uh, So I, I think that's something that the average fan you know, needs to take into consideration when they just sit home and say, you know, put them in Arizona, who cares, put it on TV uh, so I can be entertained. I think that's something fans have to think about. Yeah, I mean, yes, they make millions of dollars. Um, and uh, who, who wouldn't want to play baseball for a living, um, have a great lifestyle, first-class hotels? But they're humans, too. Um, you only have... You know, you only have one chance to, to have your first child born, and a lot of guys don't want to miss that. There's there's now a new paternity um, where guys can be off for three or four days. That wasn't around 20 years ago. You know, things have changed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we have to remember that they are people. They have families, and um, I think it's important to remember that. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. By the way, j- just out of curiosity, th- since you've been around the O's, you've been around the Nats, in this you know hypothetical three division, because it's fun to talk about to imagine to imagine what it would be like if this actually does come to fruition, this Bob Nightingale plan uh, that, that USA Today and he, he reported on for USA Today. You got the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Nats, the O's, the Phillies, Pirates, Blue Jays, Rays, and Marlins in the East Division, and say you're playing mostly, you know, within that geographical region. How do you think the Nats and the O's would do? Uh, just out of just out of curiosity, you haven't been around those teams. Yeah. How, how do you think those two teams would do in a division like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a lot of fun. I mean, every year, you know, the last few years, whenever they've had the Beltway Series, it's gotten a lot of publicity. Um, you know, it's kind of died down the last few years because the Orioles have just not been as competitive. But I, I, I think it's a great idea. And I mean, you grew up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, I got a chance in college to, to live in New York, and like it was great because like every night in the summer, I could either I knew I could go to a major league game, yeah. uh, either in you know in Flushing or in the Bronx. So um, you grew up in, with that. I, I think I think it's a great model. I think it, I think fans would love it. Um, Let's face. I mean, yeah, it is nice if you're say, you know, uh, you know, a Nationals fan, and you and the Dodgers come to Washington, what one once every six years, and you get a chance to see Clayton Kershaw in person. Um, that's great. Um, but this could be a really unique situation. I I think um, you know the divisional title would would mean even more if you're playing, you know more of your geographical rivals. Yeah, no, it'd be it'd be fascinating. Mets and Yankees fans actually would have something to gripe about. Because me personally, 
I don't I don't like the Yankees. I don't care what they do. But it's it's more that I don't care because they're not in the same division as the Mets with them being in the AL East and the NL East. Uh, the Mets where the Mets are. If they're in the same division, then it's full on hate. You know, it's it's, it's, it's full on it's full on hate. Like like they were like they're the Nationals, the Phillies. So uh, it would would be interesting uh, for sure. It's just funny though because when I was talking to Eric uh, earlier this week, I had brought up to him that you know it it's. It'll be in July. It'll be ten years since his big league debut, and he was just like, "Man, I can't believe uh, that that you know this is the year that, that would have been my ten, yeah. ten year anniversary." Uh, but right. but it's but it's fascinating. So you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, and hopefully, uh, there, there's a decision on Major League Baseball sooner rather than later. But locally, David, because I, I want to get to some some of the news more locally and, and in the area that. Uh, that that our listeners would would like to know a little bit more about. You have, of course, the college season, which which was scrapped back in March when the coronavirus really started to hit. But then you've got the Valley League and the RCBL, and you got two different, drastically different approaches with this because I think of how each league is set up is is why it's had to play out that way. And I think first the Valley League, which which had to cancel due to COVID nineteen. And you could tell me if I'm wrong. I think the big thing here, David, is is the host families. Is you can't have the players who have been who will be coming from all over the country in to stay with host families, which are, are generally older older couples uh, mm-hmm. that that are more susceptible to the virus. Yeah, no, I, I think there's no doubt about it. And I, I know you've done a lot of reporting on this as well. I mean, um, you know, Mike Bocock, uh, of course, is is coached in the Valley Lake for a long time local person he, he said the same thing it just it was almost like the valley lake had no choice because of the host family situation and and most people probably saw over the weekend about five days ago the cape cod league decided the same thing um the valley league was one of the first actually i think one of the first better summer leagues to, mm-hmm. to decide not to play um i don't know why it took the cape cod league another Another week, um, the Ohio, there's a nice league in Ohio. They, a couple of days ago, also canceled the season. So um, I don't, obviously, I don't think we're going to see any summer college baseball leagues, um, you know, affiliated to NCA. Now, obviously, we'll talk about the county league. County league is a different situation. Yeah, I, I think the county league's got a shot. And they, they pushed back their opening day, rightfully so. They, were, they always start, you know, typically the end of May. Uh, they push back into June. The county league, because you got mostly players who are local. Uh, occasionally, you get players from Eastern Mennonite or Bridgewater College that, that stick around in the summer. You know, maybe take summer classes and then also play for for one of the county league teams. Which you know, that's that's not that big of a deal either. It's not like you've got you know a right-handed pitcher coming from the University of Texas and a, and a shortstop coming from you know Oregon State. So I think that when you look at the county league, because it's it's a very local league, and I, there's just a there's just a better shot, more realistic shot at, at playing some games and clearing up because most of the players are coming from within state lines. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right, Greg. Um, it is a unique situation. I mean, pretty much, if it's like when I played, you know, we're, we're all living we're living in the same place that we grew up, or you know, you know, when you're in college. I mean, obviously dorms are closed, so I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's any. If there's anybody coming from outside the area, they might stay with a friend. So I think that makes it unique. Um, they're not the RCBL is not going to go uh, over any state or federal guidelines to play. They've told us that they're yeah. not going to break any laws. 
So they're going to follow the state and, and local um, officials with this. So I, I think you're right. I think there's a really good chance. And it might be the county league could be one of the first sports to, to, to start back up. Maybe, you know, on the East Coast or even the country. It could be a unique situation to follow. Yeah, I, I'll put this out there. I think it's possible the the RCBL comes back before Major League Baseball does. Uh, do you think I'm crazy for saying that? Uh, no, I, I think you're right on, Greg. I, I think that June 12th, uh, um, I, I don't, you know, I don't see, like it's May the 1st. And, and I think the county league could start June the 12th. If Major League Baseball announces later today, we're going to get started. Um, you know, I think I, in talking to the Nationals pitching coach a couple weeks ago, he feels like their pitchers need a minimum of three weeks um, for a second spring training. So, yeah, I, I think you're right on. I think um, I think if Major League Baseball gets started, it could be, you know, later in June or, or July. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. And can you just imagine, you know, I, I think the RCBL, uh, I guess all this saying, would be allowed to have fans if, 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 if that's the case, if fans are permitted to be there. Right. If that's the case, I think the RCBL would do really, really well because I think people just be itching to get outside, some form of entertainment. I think you've got a lot of people around the area that's just been cooped up at home with, with, the, only, with the only social exercise being going to the yeah. grocery store. Yeah. I, think that, I think the RCBL could do really well this summer if it comes back and, and if it – if it allows fans to be in attendance. No, I think you're right. I've been talking to Mike Bocock and Brian Bocock a couple weeks ago. They pretty much said the same thing. Um, it could help It could help baseball at, at many levels, uh, amateur and then minor league professional in terms of attendance. Now, again, there's going to be some parameters that might make it a little bit different. Um, minor league baseball has drawn really well the last few years. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, there, were, there are going to be people that are going to want to get outside if there's not a lot of other options, I mean, um, yeah, I think I think it could really be a boost for, for baseball at the grassroots level and maybe even up through the minors and majors. Yeah, I, I think I think for sure, especially given the fact that a lot of the college summer leagues, as we already talked about, are shutting down. I think the the level of competition as well has a chance to to kind of go up and be a little bit more intense if you've got college players, local college players. And I think in the RCBL what they released uh, when they when they announced they were pushing the the start date back, they could add up to four more players to expand the rosters, but those four no. players had to be from a local college whether that's JMU, EMU, Bridgewater. Uh, so to me, I, I think the chance, the the level of competition has a chance to go up as well because you know some of these college guys are going to be dying to get some at bats or some some innings in. Oh, you're you're exactly right, and, and that was always that was kind of neat for for me as a Division three player. Um, you know, mm-hmm. at Eastern, you know, to get a chance to pit to hit against a JMU guy in the summer in the county league. I mean, that was about as high a level as I was going to go. I didn't get too many hits, but um, but yeah, I mean, even you know. Former minor league players have, have played in the league, even major league players that have come back to the area. So it is a unique place, um, but you're exactly right. There's going to be a lot of Division One caliber players that are going to want to try to fit in somewhere um, this summer. And obviously the county league is not going to have a spot for everybody, but yeah, the, the quality of competition could definitely go up this year if they are able to play. Yeah, no, no doubt. Who, who's the best player you faced in the county league? <laughs> Again, I well, I'll say I shared the same field with Lorenzo Bundy. Okay, wow. Uh, um, uh, you know, we both played first base. Um, just I can remember this is the early '80s. Um, 
he was an incredible you know slugger at JMU but for whatever reason did not get drafted or did not get signed right away after his senior year at JMU which is just kind of staggering so he played in the county league because he couldn't play in the valley league because uh, because of eligibility he had torn up the valley league I think the year before was playing in the county league and I remember being at first base one time after he got a hit and says what in the world are you doing here <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should, you should be playing in the minors at least, and I think a couple weeks later he was picked up, and he eventually made it to Triple A as, as a hitter. So I, I guess he would probably be, um, if I had to think of one person that I was actually on the field at the same time with him, it would probably be Lorenzo Bundy. Now the Double uh, A manager for the New York Mets, uh, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies is, is what the Double A affiliate is called of, of the Mets. <laughs> right, and you, you got a chance to talk to him um, a few few weeks ago for a story and just uh, – I'm sure you've talked to him in the past, but just you know, I'm curious to know what he had to say and what it was like to talk to him. Yeah, it was it was it was fascinating. We when we rolled out, we we did kind of a, a big spring training preview package. Uh, me, you, and, and Cody Elliott, our, our prep writer, contributed too. But I, I remember Bundy saying he was just so excited because he had been you know he'd been on major league staffs before, as, as you're aware. Uh, you know, with the Marlins and the Dodgers, uh, and he was just excited to get back in, in affiliated pro baseball after being in the Mexican League for a couple of years. So, so fascinating trajectory there for, for Bundy and bouncing back and and being with a Met, Met organization that you know is is looking to do some good things uh, if if this season eventually gets played. Uh, so, so kind of an interesting spot for for Lorenzo Bundy to land. Uh, no, no doubt about it. That's that's, that's a big deal there. And, and and just to bring up some of the minor league side of it, I know there are kind of a, a lot of JMU former JMU players that are currently in the minor leagues, and some other and the Turner Ashby grad Brennan Hanafy, who's in the Orioles organization. And just thinking about the minor league stuff, I know we talk a lot about the, the local area, and of course we talked about Major League Baseball at length earlier in the podcast, but don't want to forget about the minor league level either, David, and I know this is something you follow closely, uh, having made trips to all, all the different affiliates, uh, Washington and, and Baltimore affiliates uh, that are not too far from the Valley. What do you make of the minor league situation right now? And do you put that at a, at, a le, at a small chance of coming back just because of, uh, you know, how many players are involved, how many different cities and organizations are involved? It seems like that's really taking a back back seat to what's going on with Major League Baseball. No, I think you're exactly right, Greg. Um, there was actually something on Twitter two nights ago that there was reports out erroneously that, that the minor league season had, be can- had been canceled. Um, minor league baseball had to send out a note saying that that was not the case, but but I think you're right. Um, you're, you're talking about uh, 140 uh, cities, small towns across the country. Again, and, and actually, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of minor league um, facilities use host families as well, especially wow. in the low minors. These guys do not get paid much at all. And that's another story as well that's out there. But yeah, there are, um, I know Aberdeen, uh, where Ripken Stadium is north of Baltimore, they heavily rely on host families. So I, I think that, I think that the, the minor league season is, gonna, is probably not going to be held. That would be my yeah. guess. I think there's a much better chance that we'll have major league baseball. Yeah, and that, that's a tough thing because those guys are losing a year of development and, mm-hmm. uh, 
of course, altering the trajectory they have to, to try to get to the big leagues. I think about, you know, Shelton Perkins, who had a good debut year in Aberdeen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the former JMU pitcher, uh, Dan Goggin, who was with the Brooklyn Cyclones, who, you know, never you never know, might have ended up playing for Bundy uh, at, at some point this yeah. summer. Yeah. You never know. But, uh, yeah, I, I think about those guys, and especially kind of reading some of the, the ominous stories about, the possibility of, of minor league baseball slashing so many teams next year. You're right. talking about potential last shots for guys uh, that that are that are not going to happen because because of this coronavirus, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think three percent of minor league players make it to the majors. I, I want to say I've seen that number before. Um, maybe this is going to be a way to streamline things. I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it. Let's face it. There's been a lot of they call them organizational players, right? I mean, guys in the minor leagues that are kind of filling out a roster spot. Um, you might have a catcher who goes from rookie ball to double A just because they need a catcher. It doesn't mean he's, you know, he's not a prospect. So maybe Major League Baseball is looking at a way to save someone's salaries. It's like, let's face it, you know, we only, we probably have 50 or 60 legitimate prospects in our system. Why have 120 guys in the system. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's how it should be. I'm just saying that's how it is these days. Yeah, no, no question about it. And uh, we'll be fascinating to see what, what cities do keep their teams, what cities that are accustomed to having minor league baseball uh, lose their teams next year, if, if, if that's what's really going to happen. Uh, but but should be interesting to see what plays out nonetheless. Uh, David, we've we've kind of discussed as much baseball as we can without any games to talk about. Uh, I think in our in our first episode uh, of of the Baseball in the Valley podcast. So any anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap up this first edition? Well, um, you know the last, we've had some weather here that has definitely been uh, baseball worthy the last few days. And of course we've had a lot of rain, which, you know, in April it's supposed to rain. So I'm sure there would have been a lot of rain outs. I don't know about you, but like I've paid little attention to the weather reports these days because I know it's not going to affect outdoor sports. Kind of, kind of a weird, weird uh, thing to be thinking about, but maybe hopefully in a few weeks we can keep an eye on the weather channel so if we have some baseball to be played yeah i'm with you i i I, i'll gladly sign up for checking the weather reports every day to to, to make sure we got an rcbl game or two to cover uh so so i i'd gladly sign up for that uh if you told me in june i'd be checking the weather reports to to see you know if i'm going out to grottos or if i'm going to go out to clover hill uh i'll take that right now if you told me that uh and then afterward i get to come home and watch the mets I'll, 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 glad, I'll gladly sign up for that, David. Yeah, uh, I think we, yeah, I think we all would. So. Yeah, no doubt. Well, David, it's been it's been a fun first episode of the Baseball in the Valley podcast by the Daily News Record, and we're going to try to do this maybe once a month, once every other week, at least until baseball comes back. Uh, and then once baseball comes back, it'll probably become a little bit more of a regular thing here. I, I think we could probably line up some guests. Uh, and and do it that way. Also, uh, to give you a little bit of a feel for for baseball in the valley, because it's it's got such a great tradition and history in the city county. So we want to bring it to you. 
whether that's through the county league, the RCB, the RCBL, excuse me, the Valley League, uh, ties to, to guys in the majors and the minor leagues, and uh, of course there's the prep scene too, which is so strong, and the college scene, which has a, a number of local teams with JMU, Bridgewater, and EMU. Uh, so I think that's the whole point of this new podcast is we're going to try to bring you kind of up-to-date information and, and analysts and, and breakdowns of, of what's going on. So, David, I appreciate you joining me on the first-ever edition of the Baseball in the Valley podcast by the DNR. Great. Thanks so much, Greg. Nice to uh, to team up in this effort. Yeah. So that'll do it for our first episode. And until next time, I'm Greg Medea saying thanks for tuning in.